you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of What up, what up? This is your boy Rob Clark, welcoming you to the 22 November Network. Get ready for another exciting edition of the Lone Gunman Podcast, featuring me, that's right, your boy Rob Clark, coming at you. Stay tuned. Be right there. This is the Lone Gummit Podcast, episode number 53. It is a special edition. I was driving down Highway 66 the other day, and I saw this guy with a guitar strapped on his back, with his thumb out and wanting to ride. So I pulled over, and guess who I found? You've been wanting him. You've been clamoring for him. You've been wondering where he's at. You've been wondering what he's doing. I got him. So people, strap in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Rob Clark on the Lone Gummin Podcast with a special edition. That's right, folks. It's another special edition this week, and it wouldn't be special unless I had a very, very special guest for you. And, and, oh, and people have been clamoring and wondering uh, about this fella. Where is he? What's he doing? Well, let me tell you, folks. He's on the goddamn Lone Gunman podcast today. What's up, Doug? I'm just doing my thing, brother, doing my thing. What is up? No, no, man, dude, you have been uh, fourth gear rock and roll, drop of a hat, man. You've been slamming, uh, uh, throwing and going. Hey, you know, it's, uh, it's a second breath, and hopefully uh, you get yours real soon. Yeah, 
Well, the, the big news is we got new tires on the official Dallas Action Convertible Tuesday. That's the big news of the Dallas Action right now. <laughs> well, that's always good to be riding safe, my brother. It's, it's good feeling to be a reach god, there's no doubt. But yeah, yeah, I, I just been uh, busy. It, 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 that's uh, like I say, that was the whole thing. And uh, hopefully, next couple weeks, um, we'll have a new show up. Uh, gotta get lined out. That's agreed. We just gotta find time to uh, get together, and uh, we're gonna see if we can get this thing back on track for yeah. sure. How are you? Well, I know that that is good news for everybody out there listening. Because if I had a nickel for everybody that asked me where the hell Doug Campbell is. I'd be a rich son of a bitch. I have been. I, I, it's, it's, it's for an entirely different reason, but I've been basically doing the same thing, hunched over a notebook. And that's that's basically what I've been doing and uh, probably will be for a while. Um, but uh, now everything's cool. Everything rock and roll, man. Rock and roll on my side. And the plans are that you will be back, right? Oh, well, I, I never, I never, it wouldn't like, you know... Well, I think everybody that, that looks into this case at all on a regular basis knows the feeling of, you know, sometimes shit, man, you just get burned out a little bit and you just got to step away from it for a little while and come back when you're, uh, when you, when you're ready, you know? Yeah. In my case, I had, um, an opportunity come along that, um, a professional opportunity kind of thing that um, I sort of had to jump on. I really couldn't say no, so I did. And, um, you know, going to be working on that a while, but we'll have more free time than I thought. So, well, that's, you know. that's good news for the JFK um, grassroots no, community. Well, that's good. And that's good news for everybody. And uh, I'll tell you, and uh, we're going to be talking about a certain individual today by the name of Thomas Beckham. And I know we've touched, yeah, I know we've touched on him a little bit before and his associations, but we are going to get into a little bit more uh, deeper into Mr. Thomas Beckham because He's one of those guys that you just can't look past, you know? Well, yeah, you know, before we do, something occurred to me yesterday that I wanted to ask you about today. Can we? Can I do that? Can I ask you sure. something else? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I totally throw you a curveball, dude? I'm throw sorry. It. Throw it. Okay. And I think this is something that we can all relate to, kind of. Um... And, and I, I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring this up to Rob on the long gun, but um, I found myself in a conversation with a guy who was, you know, he wasn't a lone nutter, um, but, you know, he was kind of skeptical, not real knowledgeable about the subject, about the assassination, but, you know, he was kind of inquisitive, you know, Stevie was a really intelligent guy, you know what I mean? Right, right. He, uh, he had a lone nutter haircut, yeah. right? <laughs> right, right. He was, he was just like, you know, really? 
you know, there's something to all that. And, and he, he actually, pretty smart guy. He actually says to me, okay, give me, he says, give me an oh shit moment. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, a piece of information that'll make me go, oh shit. You know? Right. And, and, and I thought, wow, that's weird. So I, I went with the, uh, right off the bat, the 7.65 miles or um, Roger Craig, the Blue and White's been at the day. the car can. Right. And he did. He kind of went, oh, wow. You know, they signed him. I said, yeah. So, and our conversation got, you know, a little, a little further off. And, and we got around to Oswald. And he says, and then, like I said, the guy asked really intelligent questions. Right. He said, um, he said, well, what made him, he said, what made him such the perfect guy to set up? And it was at that moment, it was like the floodgates opened and the information came out that there was a log jam. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where do you, even for somebody that's not well-versed in the case, for, for people like us in our community, you know, it, it was like my brain wanted to go, why? Because of everything. Yeah, everything that dude did, uh, whether knowingly or unwittingly, um, made him the perfect patsy. Yeah, but, you know, you can, there's so many reasons. I mean, you can go, uh, well, there's this book called Harvey and Lee, but... You know, who's going to introduce a newbie to a book that's, you know, what is it, 1,100 pages? And, you know, like, I'm just wondering, I guess, has that ever happened to you where you found yourself, you know, in a conversation with somebody inquisitive who's not really just mental on the subject, but you know you don't have a monopoly on their time? Right. You know, like that question. What makes what made him the perfect guy to set up is the way he put it, or the perfect patsy? Well, suddenly, you know, it was like my mind because of what we know in the community. You know, well, I know I only got four or five minutes of this guy's time. Where do you begin? You know, where do you start? Right. Um. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and <clears throat> now that you mention it. You know, it's, it, you know, there's a lot of different things that go in that in that particular scenario, you know, a lot of what ifs and, and depending ons. But, you know, if you got a limited amount of time to talk to somebody and you're trying to explain it to them, you know, you have to you have to just tell them <clears throat> that, you know, you're dealing with a uh, a kid growing up without a single uh, without a father. You're, you're, you got um not doing well in school. Uh, you got him joining the Marines. Uh, you got, you know, a lot of a lot of people have their fingerprints on this kid. You know, and not to mention the fact that he, he was sent to to Russia as a as a, as a defector, uh, which they well, could, see. That's where I started. Yeah, which you they, know, I kind of went, uh, you know, sort of condensed version. Uh, well. Recruited, maybe recruited into the ONI. Um, 
took a young Marine, sent over there as a false defector, spy kind of thing, and, um, you know, came back, his cover's intact, um, and um, was used to, as a dangle um, for uh, Pro Castro, you know, kind of thing. I went, I kind of went there, and I said he sort of had, uh, you know, um, um, uh, his, his cover was right. His, his cover story was right. The legend was right. And, and, you know, and then I went, well, um, and he's like, you, you know, well, what are you doing that without... I think giving somebody a YouTube link or recommending a book, you know, really hook them. You know what I mean? Because in our minds, we want to go so many places. You know, we right. think the you can automatically go, well, Harvey and Lee looks at the thing where he's in a hospital with gonorrhea and he's on the boat to, what was it, Taiwan or Thailand at the same time. Yeah, you gotta, you, really go yeah, you gotta take baby you know steps. I mean? Yeah, you gotta take baby steps with people like that, and to throw them into Harvey and Lee off the bat, they're gonna be like, "What the hell?" Because I mean, even people yeah, familiar yeah. with the case will go, "What the hell?" When they read Harvey and Lee, you know, it's hard to understand, it's hard to comprehend, you know, unless you really, really, really know things. And you know, I think the original plan <clears throat> was was likely to blame the assassination on Cuba. Um, in order, in order to, uh, how should I say this? In order to fulfill, you know, the, the uh, certain people's agendas. You know, they, there are certain people that wanted that wanted a war with Cuba. You know, and they weren't happy with with JFK buddying up with Khrushchev, and uh, they weren't happy with the way that he was treating Castro, and, and uh, basically not doing anything. You know, with this communist, you know, 60 miles off of our shore and letting him do his thing. And I, I think that's part of the reason that Oswald was the perfect patsy, because you have his pro-Castro pro background, whether it's a legend or not, uh, you know, it, it's there. Now, you're, and that's kind of where I went with the guy. I said, you know, he came back from when this guy I was talking to, a guy named Matt. Um, I said, you know, and, and when he came back, his cover was kind of intact. You know, he was never outed as a false defector. You know, they just kind of planted him here and, you know, passed these leaflets out. And he's like, well, what do you mean the dangle? And I said, well, you know, they passed the leaflets out. Somebody else is kind of hanging around the corner, i.e. somebody like Thomas Beckham, you know, yeah. paying attention to who takes the leaflets. And, you know, if anybody sends in a card to the address going, I would like more info about the Fair Play for, Fair Play for Cuba Committee. Mm. Well, they go all in. And somebody like Bannister, they're automatically looking into these people as possible communists. And he's like, oh, yeah. You know, and sometime around, uh, some, I'm going to say mid-September, is, is, is when he was, I think, ultimately chosen. Sometime around mid-September. It, it was ultimately going to be him. I, I, you know, and, but I kind of went that route like you were talking about with this guy. You know, because I, and, and another example, I said, look at it this way. I said, modern day. I'm sorry, 
trying to avoid sounds kind of, it, it's kind of strange. I've been using it a lot in the last two weeks, but uh, um, I said modern day. A guy from Nashville, which is where we were at, I said he goes and 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 now he leaves the Marines, goes home for three days, hops on a plane, goes to Syria, throws his passport on the desk, and joins the ISIS. <laughs> okay, right. and I said. Right. I said, now, a couple of years later, he, he turns Muslim, and he marries this Muslim chick, and they have a kid, and he suddenly changes his mind and decides he wants to come home. Right. And they try to to what? I said, yeah, what do you think would happen when he stepped off the plane? He said, they are 15. I said, I said, that's exactly right. I said, but Lee Harvey Oswald called the State Department and went... I want to come home, and they said, okay, here's the cash. Pay us back when you can. Right. And he said, and he said that, he said, holy shit. So he asked me for a holy shit moment. And so I kind of went the false defector route with the Cuban connection like you were talking about. And when I explained it to him like that, you know, modern day ISIS, you know, he kind of went, Wow, you know, so he got it at that point, right? And so, you know, if that, if that same guy were to come back and start handing out leaflets to to support ISIS, you know, um, or, or, or you know, if he started, you know, if he just started handing, I'm not anti-Muslim or anything. Don't anybody get mad at me, but you know, the the, the the bottom line is that the guy goes to stand on the street corner and start handing out leaflets. Um, about his corner mosque. Okay, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and, um. Then if they wanted to assassinate the president, later, and a couple of months later, the same guy pops the president. Yeah, exactly. He get perfect patsy. Well, let me tell you what: the B fifty twos and the B twos wouldn't be flying this area fast enough. And that's what we're saying, folks. Boom, bang, right there. Modern, modern day, what do you call that, analogy? Yep. That's a beautiful analogy. Uh, you, know you know what, Rob? Hmm. I think you and I, we have already laid down what you call the brilliant analysis, the brilliant redneck research analysis for the day. What do you think? That's Remember? right. Hey. I like that analogy. You know, it works and it fits and it's, it, it you know, it makes you think. <clears throat> for those who really haven't thought about it, you know, hey, how 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 screwed up the whole situation was. It didn't occur to me until I was talking to him yesterday. You know, well, what if 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 an ex marine joins ISIS and there are and why like, like what, what, what's her name? Uh, Patricia, you know her name? What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Patricia. She was the CIA Life Magazine chick. Oh, everybody knows her name. I'm drawing a blank. The one that wrote Marina's book? Uh, the one that wrote, uh, the one about Marina and Lee. Uh, Priscilla? Priscilla Johnson. Yeah, I mean, say a guy joined ISIS, and there are even write-ups in the New York Times <laughs> about it. Yeah. And he wants to come home, you know? Yeah. Don't lay in hell. Well, guess what, folks? We are swamped, did. They let him... 
Yeah, they let him come back and, and try to lead a normal life, supposedly, you know. Would, would they let somebody that did that with ISIS? Probably not. Unless they had other plans. They, they'd be in Guantanamo Bay, maybe. Right, unless they needed him for a certain operation in the future. Possibly. Possibly. But anyway, that was my... I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get all topic on you. That, that just occurred to me to ask you about it. Well, you did mention Beckham, so it's all good. <laughs> okay. Peeking around the corner. But let, let's get into... <laughs> Let's get into old Tommy a little bit here. And okay, well, you know what I did? Uh-huh. Uh, you, and I, you and I talked about, okay, let, let, let's talk about Beckham. So I have um, his, uh, I don't know if you've got it called up. I bet you do. I bet, I bet you've got it called up on there in your laptop because I called it up because you sent me the link. Um, and you sent me the link months ago. To his HSCA uh, stuff? I never read it. I never read it. I didn't, I, I never got around to it like you implored me to. To ask but what? it is pre-interview, Thomas Beckham's pre-HSCA testimony interview. Right. A Right, with Delsa and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name right offhand. Yeah, this AJ Delsa guy who um, I'm sure we'll talk about. But uh, well, I've got something. I got something interesting here that I came across in uh, the Orleans Parish Grand Jury testimony of Fred Crispin. Uh, when he's when he's asked, they're asking him about um, Thomas Beckham, and I'll, I'll read it a little bit for you here. Okay. <clears throat> okay, this is. Uh, Let's see. They were asking him, you know, do you know this person? Do you know this person? Do you know that person? He's saying no, 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 no. And then, uh, let me see here. Okay, it says, uh, and this was the first time you came to New Orleans. Yes. Where did you meet Beckham? He says, in the state of Washington. How did you come about meeting him? He says, I met him through another friend of mine, a man who operates a large secondhand store type of thing. I was there for books, and he introduced me to Tommy, and that is the first time I met him. It was a few months prior to coming down here. And he says, this was approximately in 66. Christmas says, yes, in the late spring of 66. This was the first time you initially met Beckham. Christmas says, yes. He says, uh, now, when you were down here with Beckham in the late spring of 66, and Crispin says, I met him in the late spring of 66. I didn't come down here until October or November. Just about this time, just prior to Thanksgiving. Do you remember the name of the person who introduced you to Thomas Beckham? Crispin says, yes. His name was Harold Dahl. (laughs) Remember that name, right? Yeah. And uh, he says, you say yeah. he owns a, uh, and then Christmas says, yeah. Explain who Harold Doyle is. Explain that. Okay, well, Harold Doyle or Harold Doyle, whatever you want to call him, um, this was the guy that was uh, entrenched with uh, Christman at the Maury Island incident um, when supposedly Harold Doyle had a UFO sighting. 
and some slag was dropped and he called his buddy Fred Crispin to come down and check everything out and uh, then Crispin got wrapped up in it <clears throat> and it's just a little too weird to see that Harold Dahl actually supposedly introduced Beckham to Crisman not until the spring of 66. Well, you know, to, 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 even at first in Beckham, now I did read, um, uh, not, not this file you sent me, but um, which is his interview in 77 with Delta. But I did read a couple of years ago, I read Thomas Beckham's um, New Orleans grand jury testimony that he gave. Um, and it was so weird and fascinating and eccentric and, and, and at times comical. And at times, it was, it was at the same time comical Weird, eccentric, combative, contrite, humble, crazy, insane. Yeah, that's great. Beckham gave, and it was it was the first time. This was about two, three, four years ago. It was the first time I had ever heard of the guy, and it wasn't until you know I met you and and, and you know your research sort of found this other stuff. And I remember reading about Christmas, but. I encourage anybody, and I think the website is History Matters. Is, is, is that correct? Yeah. It's got all that stuff archived. Yes. Everybody go to historymatters.com, um, and they will have, you can download free PDF, it's, it's legal, PDF files of, of all the New Orleans um, um, grand jury garrison um, testimony like Marina Oswald Ruth Fane everybody it's amazing amazing stuff but this Beckham guy you know um, in, in, in the um, the thing you sent me his pre immunity immunity interview right with Delson um, which basically it was L.J. Delson was this um 40-year-old, 40 40-year 40 homicide detective or 20-year homicide detective or whatever veteran. Um, I may be getting my figures mixed up, Rob. Like, what is something like, like 400 cleared cases or some such thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that, that had been hired by the HSCA as an investigator. Um, Right, when sprays still went. Yeah, the guy, the guy was uh, rock solid, man. I mean, he had no no issues whatsoever. He could be, you know, he could be trusted, you know. But this guy, when when I hear him talk on his on, on his on the text of his interviews, I think of, and you tell me if I'm wrong, you think of Detective Sickowitz on NYPD Blue. You know, built like a fire plug. Tubs, you know, accident, yeah. 38 on your hip, you know, that kind of homicide detective. Yeah. And, and, and this is an interview he did. It was a pre-immunity immunity thing, like I said. Like I said, it was, it was but here's what he did. Basically, Beckham, here's the thing. We're going to we're gonna interview you now and decide whether or not the information you have is will warrant giving you immunity in front of the House Select Committee. 
but at the same time, you have immunity for whatever you tell me here. Um, so he goes about talking about um, Fred Lee Christman and the organization quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit. And it, it all goes in a circle. And you and I can talk about it forever, but it, it comes around to this attorney who everybody in our community is familiar with named G. Lake Gill. Yep. And do you know about, about Gill and Chrisman? You, 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 can, you can give us those details for sure, but um, um, when you go back to that History Matters website we were talking about, and you look at those PDF files of the... Um, uh, of the grand jury testimony. You know, a grand jury testimony, the lawyer's not allowed in the testimony room with the grand jury. Right. But you can have time. And I swear, 70%, 75% of those people, if you can read that transcript, Garrison or, or, or one of them will ask them a question, people like Beckham, like Christmas, like um, Andrews, even Dean Andrews. Guess who the lawyer was representing all of these people sitting out in the lobby? T. Ray Gill. T. Ray Gill. When he testified, one of his associates was his lawyer. And one of the most amazing things to read is Garrison grilled him. And you can go right to this website and read it. Have you read Rob Gill's testimony where Garrison just tries and tries and tries to get out of him? Who is paying you to represent these people? Yeah. And, and, and it's the most amazing thing. But, I mean, everybody from, uh, oh, Lord, I, I think he represented everybody, but maybe Shaw in the Shaw trial, you know, <laughs> according to transcripts, you know. I know it's a, it's crazy. Now let, let me read you a little something else here that might drop your jaw a little bit uh, concerning Christman. Um, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready, brother. I'm ready. All right. Well, you know all about the uh, the whole uh, bishops of New Orleans and all this and that. And to, and to preface what I'm about to tell you and what the the uh, the lone nutters will throw up in your face is, of course, Beckham was a con man. And we acknowledge that, okay? We, Beckham was a con man. Yeah, and and we acknowledge that he's a con man, but um, you know, when 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 the irons are in the fire, even con men will will will, will tell the truth, you know, sometimes. Um, but here, check this out. It's uh, it's more of the Orleans uh, Parish Grand Jury testimony of Fred Christman. He says, uh, he also sent me a bishop's thing in this church. This was also released to the newspapers in here. I am not a practicing minister by any means, but all of a sudden I'm a bishop in this church. And it was a little embarrassing, and this is how this came about. And they ask him, do you know Reverend Brashears? And he says, no, I don't. Uh, and then they ask him, have you had any correspondence with him? And this is where it gets interesting. He says, not okay, that I, wait, now, what page? I've, I've got this open, and I remember reading that. What page are you on? Can you tell me? Page 12. 
Page 12. Okay, three, four, five. I'm almost there. If, if, if our uh, patient, dear listeners, will be, uh, <laughs> uh, let, uh, let's see, page. <laughs> All right, keep going. Keep going. Do your thing. Okay, now here's where it gets interesting. Okay, they asked him if he had any correspondence with Brashears. He says, not that I know of. I had a tremendous amount of people send me letters and that sort of thing. On top of that, Mr. Beckham got a hold of this and got himself a bish... I don't even know what the hell that word is, a bishoric... Uh, in Lincoln or Omaha, and he put together a whole series of secondhand shops and printed the whole thing up. And he had all types of material printed that had my name on it as a consultant and all this malarkey. And I had nothing to do with it. The same thing as when he was first subpoenaed by Mr. Garrison. He thought it was something great, and I couldn't see his point of view. He made a record. Of course, um, Beckham was a uh, country and western singer, supposedly. And Chrisman was his manager. Actually, seen a copy of a record album. Yeah, a, 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 a vinyl record um, that he put out under that other name. That um, if you listen to uh, his uh, grand jury testimony, Chrisman was helping him promote or some such nonsense. I don't know, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted. Do your thing. Well, it, it says. Uh he also made a record, an LP album, and you know what it was called, Doug? What's that? It was called Material Witness. <laughs> and Chris goes on to say, he says, in this album, he mentions my name about two or three times, which is not only a little embarrassing, but he sent it to radio stations all over the area in which I live. And I'm on a radio station myself, and this is a little embarrassing once in a while to have fellows in the radio business say, well, Bishop, when are you going back to see Jim Garrison? This type of thing. And a man on the phone tells me he's a reporter uh, from the the Times-Picune, and he says, what do you have to say about the subpoena that Grand Jury of Orleans Parish has issued for you? My first reaction was almost hysteria for me. For what? For now, I am placed in the position in my own home state, for I'm a personality there radio-wise. Now, let me read that one more time for you. Uh, Have fellows in the radio business say, Well, Bishop, when are you going back to see Jim Garrison? Now, Doug, I'm going to ask you, where have we heard the name Bishop applied to somebody before in this case? Well, there's uh, Colonel William Bishop... Um, CIA case officer out of Miami. There is Maurice Bishop, who some allege was actually David Ali Phillips, who was uh, who really needs no uh, no uh, explanation. You're right. Well, what if that man? What, what if that man was actually uh, Fred Lee Christman? Would it make you look at things in a different light? I tell you what, um, I don't have a photo comparison in front of me, okay? But I would love to see that 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 one, I guess, standard, the one front, full frontal shot of Christmas that you normally see. I guess you can Google it, um, Google image it. 
with a side-by-side comparison of, of the Bessiana uh, sketch. That would be interesting to look at. You, you are pretty good at mashing those things together. That would be kind of fun to look at, wouldn't it? Well, I'll mash it together, and I will put it up on the website along with this podcast. That's for damn sure, because... Well, there you go. How about that? How about that? I tell you, I got a lot out of this. Um, and you should put it in. This is um, the Reopen Kennedy case um, on website. Um, we should mention that. Um, Richard Gilbride, I believe, his website, um, where this interview that you pointed out to me between Dale and Beckham comes from. And um, when you were talking about, um, you know, when are you going to go visit Garrison, that's something else that, you know, when he talks about, when, when, when Beckham talks about Chrisman and the organization in this, in this interview, he, he makes it very plain, I think, how... Because his movements that he describes moving from place to place in his grand jury testimony, you know, in the late 60s, is crazy. It, it makes no sense. You know, I moved here to start a second-hand store. And then, you know, I moved from Iowa to Washington, and I opened up a soup kitchen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's just... Like I said before, nonsense. But then when you read this interview that he gave to the to, to Delta, you know, for the House Select Committee, he explained that Chrisman would call him yeah, and say, "Go here, <laughs> yeah, go here," and the money would show up, and that's how he outran the subpoenas. And then if you take that now, when you read that, and then. It, it suddenly gives an entire, I think, a whole different context to when you read his New Orleans grand jury, the, the testimony at the beginning, when he's very combative. Um, Garrison, I mean, he's really, he's really kind of really sort of pissed off, like, yeah, you finally got me here, you MFers. You know, um, and then... I thought in 2020, you realized that Chrisman was going, okay, you need to go move to this little tiny town and go hide here and go be the, the, the bishop at this church. And all of these these degrees and little cards that would show up and these little certifications as a minister in the, you know, whatever you want to call a church, which how many did, did, did Beckham claim to have at one point? Oh, my God. I'm it's a ton, twenty or you know, twenty or thirty. I mean, I know that. He- and what fits? That was kind of his cover. And then when you read between the lines of his grand jury testimony, and, I, and this is again, um, you know, three or four years ago when I read it like like twice in a row because it was so fascinating. Um, is again Jack Martin, who shows up a lot, you know, later. Um, in this organization stuff, but if you read what did this nonsense that Beckham's talking back then to Garrison, you realize that what they were doing, and it took me the second time reading it to realize what they were doing. Oh, wow, all over New, uh, Louisiana, they would set up fake churches, all right, in these abandoned buildings in these, these neighborhoods. And Beckham 
for two, three months would be the quote-unquote pastor. Right. To like, and what he described is, you know, they would bring in like enough food to like set up, you know, to make sandwiches. <laughs> you know what I mean? And say, hey, we're here to help the poor and we're a church. Yep. And, and Beckham would kind of hang out and be sort of, uh, um, I'm a caretaker of the property, and he would describe how Martin, either Martin or David Ferry, yep. or somebody would come by like once every couple of weeks or and pick up the mail or come on a certain date or, 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 or say, hey, there's a package coming. You know, and, and that, what, what I read into it was, it was a front for money. You know, that they, it's basically what they were doing. And then that was even before, you know, I met you and then you when you started explaining to me about the organization, I thought, oh, here we go, here we go. It, it makes a little sense. Yeah, because one of one of Beckham's uh, other duties was uh, he 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 would raise money. Uh, he would stick these cans in various businesses. You know, explain to him, "Hey, um, I'm with this church down the street. We're just trying to get started. Um, is it okay if I put this can here and ask for donations?" And they'd set these cans up all over town, and then uh, you know they come back through every week and and, and empty these cans out uh, to raise money. Right, and, and and you know what? A lot of um, you even hear of um, people like Arkansas uh, Smith, and and a lot of these these organizations did that. Um, there there was even uh, I don't know what interview I read with Lauren Hall. If it was an interview with him, or um, maybe some testimony somewhere or something. Um, where they talked about that coffee, doing the same thing Beckham was doing, you know. And you are also pretty convinced, or at least have convinced me, that there's a pretty good chance that you can spot Beckham watching over Oswald as he passed out leaflets. That's right. If you look at that uh, that video footage that was shot by the news the news people that day when Oswald was handing out leaflets, if you look in the background, uh, there's a fellow back there in a suit with a pompadour hairstyle like Thomas Beckham used to wear, and he really goes out of his way to hide his face. He never looks at the camera. He, he always raises his hand up to protect his face. Uh, you do get a side profile, and damn if it don't look like him, man. Oh, I think you're exactly right. It does, because it's this, um, it's not really a pompadour hairdo, but it's pompadour-ish. Right. And uh, it, it for sure looks like it could, um, it could be, uh, you know, <laughs> the same guy, you know, just uh, he's got a little less hair in, in, in one. Um, and the guy's kind of, you know, naturally dressed, you know. He's not uh, with, uh, uh, um, not, uh, there's real no indication that that is a bomb, you know what I mean? I'm trying to find, here we go. Churches, you ready for this? May I read something from Beckham's interview with, um, 
Morris, what is his name? Uh, it was Morris and Hill. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, I read something from this interview to you, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. And he's actually talking about churches. Now listen to this. All right, talking about, uh, he says this, he goes, Lawrence Howard. Right. I've seen Lawrence Howard on maybe seven or eight, nine different occasions. Delson, where? Becca, one time at a church thing we had where we guns were stored there at a church. But these guns were to be used for the revolution, the Cuban thing. They were packed inside crates. I looked for another guy in there, a big, tall, skinny man, big, tall guy. He asked about Howard, and they were taking the guns to Texas. <laughs> Are you ready for the next one? Nah, I'm not done. But now we've got Lawrence Howard in one of Jack Martin's churches where guns are stored by Beckham. He's telling this to the HSCA. Now, you ready for this question? Yes, sir. Wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald a visitor at the church? Hmm. It's an HSCA interview, ladies and gentlemen. Question. Wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald a visitor at that church? Beckham, yeah, Lee, Lee was. I knew Lee. I knew him real well. Was he a visitor at the church? As a matter of fact, quite a few times, he talked about his friend, the chief, that was always going to help him. And I know for a fact, and I believe in my heart, and I know he had no reason to lie. One time I just told him, if he didn't stop some of this crazy talk about the chief, he used to make me mad. He said the chief would take care of me. The chief will look out for me. I said, why don't you stop talking about this silly stuff, Lee? He said, no, the chief, which he told me was an FBI man. Hmm. Told me it was Hoover. The chief was watching out for him. Lee, as a matter of fact, one day I met Lee was up on the old International Trademark Building one morning. Did you hear what I said, what he just said there, uh, Rob? I met Lee at the old International Trademark Building one morning. In this ATA interview, he was getting out some kind of free tuba or something thing, and we went and had a coke on Canal Street. Now... Is that confirmation that that photograph that you've shown me going, I think that's Beckham, is probably Beckham because we got him telling him, telling Delta in print, in transcript right here, in an interview. Yeah, I was there one day. Yeah, I mean, that, that he, he, he put he, himself that right there. Yeah. yeah, he puts himself right there. I mean, it's, it's cooperation. It's cooperation. And listen to this. He's still talking about this. He says, he was given out some kind of free Cuba or something thing, and we went and had a coke down there on Canal Street. And he told me that particular day he was just on television. Yeah. But in another meeting at the church, I met with Lee, and he talked about just getting back from Mexico, and he was going to be coming into some money. This was in September. Yep. But now, he said, I think this was in September. Lee... As far as we know, what is it, April 3rd, or it was October 3rd or 4th when he got back to Dallas. So he has got his, so Beckham's got something mixed up there, right? Well, if he went at all, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. But he said, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he talked about his trip to Mexico and he'd be coming into some funds. I don't, or no, excuse me, Burris, was there anybody else present at this meeting? And Beckham says, oh yeah, every, uh, Mark Hodges Smith was at this meeting. Hmm. All right, it's, and, it, and it's right here. And, 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 and you know, uh, thank goodness for Richard Gilbride for putting this out there, and thank goodness for you for, for, for making people aware of it, because, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to do is get the important stuff out and, and, and to cover up the BS, like, you know, other people think, you know, alleged mistresses and all this other nonsense. You know, here's people that, you know, here's testimony, more testimony that are link, linking people like Lawrence Howard, you know, to Beckham and Christmas to Oswald. You know, there's a guy Beckham in print. <laughs> And that's what really blew my mind about it is because you told me two months ago, you need to read this, dude. And I went, I will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it wasn't until we talked about me coming on the show and I went, well, hey, let's I'll read this Beckham thing. And now my mind's kind of blown, you know, now that I'm reading it and going, wait, dude is putting Oswald and Arcadia Smith and Jack Martin in the same meeting in a church in New Orleans. Holy shit. Yeah, and and if if you got that right in front of you, I can't pull it up because we're on the phone right now, but if you got that pulled up, there's another uh, holy shit moment later on in his testimony when he's actually talking about... What's that? You talking about the meeting in Dallas? Yeah, I'm talking about in G. Well, Ray, G. Ray Gill's office and then what he did and, and who he saw in Dallas. Yeah. Well, Rob, you're going to have to talk for 10 seconds while I take a hit off a of Mountain Dew. Okay, you ready? Go. No problem. <laughs> I hope you people are enjoying this because we are getting into Beckham and Crispin and exactly what the hell was going on. I want to before we continue when we went to the conference together they made us share a room which we if, if we which was cool you know we didn't have a problem with that but but had we had two different rooms we might have actually gotten some sleep because what you guys are listening to now um went on until like 4.30 every morning we were there that's right. And, and then at seven, we would we would get a phone call because we had somebody scheduled to talk to, and they were like, "Where are you guys at?" So just because we, man, we just can't quit talking about it. But you're talking about, um, I digress. Excuse me. You're talking about the meeting that yeah. started in the aforementioned. She reveals office and culminated in another meeting. Yes. And I do, sir, have that pulled up in front of me. Now, I have a question for you. I have not been able to, um, he talks of two different meetings. The first one, I can't figure out a time frame for, but 
but I'm, I'll read this, and this is right off the bat, in this, in this um, testimony, ladies and gentlemen, it was given to Delta and Morris on October 9th, 1977 at 11.15 a.m. at the Holiday Inn Medical North State Street, Jackson, Mississippi. Right. And it, yeah, it starts out, uh, um, you know, we're blah, 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 blah. you're going to have immunity, don't worry, you know. You tell me you shot Kennedy in the head, I can't do nothing about it. All I can do is go back to the committee, then they can decide. They can. So, um, but he talks about this meeting. Um, he says, right, okay. The best place to start is a meeting I had in Algiers, Louisiana. As soon as you get off the ferry boat, it's in Orleans Parish. Sergio Arcadio Smith, myself, G. Ray Gill, and a gentleman by the name of Marcello, Vincent Marcello, along with a little bitty guy, Roswell Thompson, and a lady by the name of Bertie. And they talked, there were some other present, and they talked about the, oh, uh oh, hang on, sorry. Talk about yourself. I lost my place because I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all right. You'll uh, find it. All right, here we go. They just say, they talked about I say we. I say we. They talked about the assassination of the president. There was also a lady, which I thought at the time was the wife of Sergio Arcadia. I could have been wrong. Now, she said um, that they went to Sergio Arcadia Smith's house first, and they had to follow behind, and they discussed at the time Kennedy's assassination, uh, his situation, the Bay of Pigs, yada, yada, yada. Now, here we go. Two weeks, there was another meeting. He was called to another meeting, same place. Uh, G Radio's office, correct, Rob? That's right. All right, these are the words of Beckham to Nelson. I'd say two weeks prior to the assassination of the president, I delivered a package to a Mr. Howard. I went into G. Regal's office. I was told to go there by Mr. Ferry. We're talking about David Ferry, which I knew real well. In his office, they stuffed some documents which were drawings. That of a map, a plot. There was pictures, pictures of buildings and cars, and regular pictures, but they weren't glossy. They were put inside of an envelope, for which time T. Regal handed me. It was either a hundred or two hundred dollars, and told me that I was to be, I was going to be taken to the airport. So he, they also tell him, don't wear any kind of jewelry. <laughs> whatsoever. In 1963, you didn't even need a, like, you know, a driver's license or an ID to get on an airplane. Yeah, you just had to get okay. a metal detector. Nothing. Exactly. He wore no jewelry. They told him not to take any ID. Do not talk to one stewardess. Create anything that would draw any attention to yourself whatsoever. Fly to Dallas. Deliver this package. This was an envelope inside of a magazine. So, um, he took a cab from the airport and he went to a place called the Executive Inn, um, which for the purposes of our narrative, if you look at um, Carlos Marcello's uh, business, 
business holdings. He owned like 300 motels in the South. So, <laughs> it's one more to trace the ownership of that joint. Wow. But anyway, I digress. Um, he met a Mr. Howard at um, the executive uh, Mr. Howard was upset, says Beckham, because when I got out of the cab, I was heading there. He tooted me, tooted for me on his horn. A raggedy-looking car. I got in. He opened up the package, looked at me a couple of times, and I faced, looked off, looked off in the other direction. He got real mad. And this is the all. This is the all it is. I don't know the exact words. I said, yes, it is. That's all he gave me. And he said, like hell or something to that effect. But, like I said, um, anyway, let me know, hang on. He says, I didn't, except for seeing it on Mr. Gill's desk and then shuffling it up, putting it inside. It was, all I knew was photographs of buildings, cars, and neatly drawn maps. Not like a regular city map, but it was diagrams, stuff on paper. And to this day, I don't know, again, I think I took a cab back to the airport. I went back and discussed the fact that, and this is his word, it's not my um, butchering the language, <laughs> for once. <laughs> uh, anyway, I went back and I discussed the fact that how upset Mr. Howard was. I discussed it with Roswell, which is A. Roswell Thompson, and also with Mr. Gill. They went on from there. And later on, now, you know, and some people might say, well, you know, it could have very well been Howard Hunt because of this, you know, that Jan 2, Jan 2 animated, that the one that looks like the guys from Hank Hill and South Park all did acid and did a JFA uh, freaking animated movie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll tell you, well, it could be Howard Hunt. No, 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 no. He names him later in the interview. It was Lawrence Howard. Now, Rob, I know you, uh, from listening to the longer the podcast, you have a longer, a longer, uh, time frame to your show now. Uh, how much more time you got? You got time to let me, uh, uh to, to talk, we, we can talk about one more very cool story about Lawrence Howard. Oh, we, most definitely. I'm going to wrap this up, and you know what story I'm talking about, and it's got to do with A.J. Nelson. That's right. Go ahead. Well, now, we should give credit where credit is due, where we heard the interview. And I don't want to say the F word or any of those other words on your show, so I'm going to let you, I will say I think it was episode 39, but I'm going to let you tell the world, and, and we talked about this on the Dallas Action previous, but we didn't, we didn't talk about it very much. But you go ahead and tell where we heard the interview. Right. I'm sorry. You're... What was that? You broke up there a little bit, Doug. No, I said you. I don't want to say the F word on your show. The F it starts with F E T. Uh, but I figured if we talk about the we should give credit where credit is due, where you and I heard it. Right. That would be on the uh, Jim Fetzer, I mean Fetzer, uh, Jim Fetzer's radio show, The Real Deal. I think him and Gary King interviewed Delsa, and uh, that's probably the only good thing they've done this year. Uh, yeah, we just want to give credit where credit is due. Now, they didn't touch 
on, excuse me, this subject or the subject of Lawrence Howard much. Um, I think um, I tried to isolate it, get an MP3, but wasn't able to. Um, um, and it, it was something like maybe just a minute and 31 seconds of this, this same detective being interviewed by Gary King um, and Fetzer. And Fetzer brought up the story about, um, you know, um, Frank Sturgis trying to kill Marie Lorenz. You know, that story about what happened in 78 New York, I think. Yeah. And he says, uh, are you aware, uh, Detective Delsa, that uh, I became great friends with the New York homicide? <laughs> it was really funny. It was kind of funny because he was kind of, well, you know, I've become great friends with this New York homicide detective that uh, interviewed uh, Frank Sturgis in 1978, and Frank Sturgis told him off the record in an interview in a blah, 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 you know, in the interrogation room or whatever, he admitted I fired the shot to turn in the head, and uh, my remark to him was, good shooting, Frank, and Delsa just shut him down. He goes, no, you're wrong. And, you know, our friend, well, I'm not going to say our friend, but um, he whose name I shall not mention on your show without, you know, express written permission. <laughs> you can't. I won't say it on mine. He didn't know what to think because he was doing what he normally does, and that is, I believe this, therefore, it is in stone. Right. And L.J. Elsa, this this detective, just shuts his ass down cold and goes, no, I met the man that shot John Kennedy in the head. And this guy talks like, you know, again, like an old grizzled, you know, grew up in the Bronx, New York City detective. And it's amazing to listen to this guy speak. And Fetcher goes, excuse me? He goes, no, I met the man. I met the man who put the bullet in his head. His name was Lawrence Howell. Yeah. And he describes how tracing Lord Hall and Jerry Hemme led him uh, to Lawrence Howard. And he describes having to meet with Howard. Okay? And Howard at the time was in California, which was, was where this whole bunch of guys, you know, at one time settled. A lot of them did. And he describes in this interview, you know, Howard going up down, meet you at the gas station. You know, and, 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 and they met at the gas station, and Howard gets out of the truck, and he asks him, you know, you pack. The guy goes, uh, no. And he says, lie him. And he shows him 245s. <laughs> and he's got holes. <laughs> okay. And he talks about how big he was, you know, just bare of a guy. And he goes, he was in, there was a, there was immediately, he said there was an air of seriousness to this man. It, is hard, it was hard to explain, you know. And they actually went to his house, really nice house. He had a family. So they, they sat down next to his pool. And um, 
gave him a beer, you know, gave him, you know, a cup of beer, and they sent him, and this was in the 70s, and he told them all about, um, you know, the Cuban War, and, and there were things he wouldn't answer, things he would, and they talked to him for a couple hours, and when they, they, they he, he describes very vividly leaving and standing on one side of the car, he's about to get in the, in, in the passenger side and his partner's on the other side and, and they're looking across the car, you know, eye to eye. And he tells his partner, he goes, holy shit. And, and his partner goes, what? He goes, you realize we, we just met the guy. We, we just met the guy that whacked, whacked Kennedy. This is the guy. And... I know people go, oh, buddy, Bob Mack, no. <laughs> You're talking about the gut feeling of a man with hundreds of solved, indicted, convicted, sentenced homicides under his belt saying, I met the guy. Right. You know, and, and it was even independent it was later that he ran across and he describes it in that same interview that it was later that he ran across um, Beckham and learned what he learned you know about Howard Beckham and it was at that point according to him they were learning too much and Sprague was kicked out like he was brought in you know and you know the rest of the story Hey, it's all good. That's what you're here for, my friend. It's been a while since you got to talk about this stuff, and uh, you know. It, it, <laughs> I just, I'm having such a damn. I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't had a, a great conversation about the subject in a couple months with anybody, man. And who better to have it with than you? With than you and uh, Dan, you should have told me to take a breath or something. It's all good. It's all good. But, but yeah, I'll put a, I'll put up links to a, a lot of the stuff we talk about today on the on the website, and uh, so people can go well, check. What it do out. you think? I mean, what are your thoughts on on, on the Beckham Lord Tower thing? Well, it's uh, to me, it you know, it definitely lends credence to various things and corroborates other things. You know, when you're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And uh, it fits. You know what I'm saying? It fits. Well, you're right. Because, you know, and you and I have talked about it before, um, you know, privately. Probably on my show, I know. Um, and for sure, privately, more than once, that, you know, you've got to reconcile. You know, if you can't reconcile Interpin with Mac Wallace, say, just for an example, right? And you can't reconcile Mac Wallace with whatever was going on that summer in New Orleans. But suddenly with Beckham and Howard, you've got a solid link between these two, you know. Well, not only those well, two, you, know, you got a link between you gotta, the anarchist you know, you Cubans. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this 
will link up to either of these, but both of these will link up to two or three others. Oh, most definitely. You know, you got the anti-Castro Cubans, you got, you know, Ferry and, uh, and that whole bunch in New Orleans, and you got uh, Dallas, you got the uh, mercenaries, and they're all intertwined together. really I mean you know you try to link up different characters in this case and you often run into a brick wall and here we are you know with Beckham being able to tie in Ferry, Marcello uh, G. Ray Gill Clay Shaw you know uh, Lawrence Howard uh, Lee Oswald you know we're tying them all in together and you know I'm you know there's definitely you can't keep it Bannister. I mean, you, you can, um, I, you know, I hate to keep banging the same dead, dead drum, but the whole, you know, Texas plot milieu, you know, you can't, you can't tie those people <laughs> to, to the Cubans as much. Right. You know, um, you, uh, I guess, I guess the closest link would be Walker. But, I, you know, I think that, that, that even though I think Walker's involved, I think he was probably key, in my opinion. Um, I don't think it was on behalf of, 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 of private. It wouldn't, have been, it wouldn't have been on behalf of wealthy private citizens. <laughs> right, which, and brings, leave it which brings us back to... Uh the organization who who in the hell was yeah. this organization it could have been could have been anybody any number of people it, you know it could it could be another it, it could be another moniker for and I know I'm I'm, I'm throwing darts at a, at a blank wall but it could be another monitor for or moniker rather for a, for a Nazi thing you know for elders that that, that escaped you, you never know yeah you, know, you don't know like in a war because you know is it the same organization that um, you know how they helped uh, they helped Beckham run gave him a heads up you know in two weeks you know they're going to get an extradition order and you know um, 
Wazzle, Iowa, you need to move to this town. We've got a real house waiting. The cash is in the manila envelope at Western Union. Go. Right. So they've got that kind of power, um, that kind of reach. And we know Christmas connections on on the West Coast, you know, are they the same kind of people that can make a call and go, hey, um, you know, there's an extradition order for Warren Hall coming to the governor's desk. We need to make sure that he turns that down. Right. You know, it's all, it, um, it could be a conglomeration of different, or, you know, different entities that with uh, representatives, you know, from each one. I mean, who, who really, you know, you could have a, a right wing representative. You could have a uh, military representative. You could have a CIA, somebody from the CIA, uh, you know, calling the shots for this organization using using Christmas as a trusted asset on the ground to coordinate things and once again well, see, creating compartmentability, you know, and... That, that's the thing that's so curious about him to me is his um, connection to, you know, odd things that, that you would consider super stupid, top secret, even like before Kennedy, like the U.S., like, like, like the, the Murray Island thing, you know. Um, you know, this, this, I, I tell you who, I, you know who I almost think of when I think of this guy? When, I'm talking about Chris, and again, what I've learned about him, I've learned since I've met you, really. I mean, I knew of him, but... It's you going, hey, check this guy out. Do you remember the movie Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Do you remember the wolf? Mm-hmm. The character that drove the very, very, very expensive car, and he was a fixer. When there was a problem, they called the wolf. Right. The wolf flew in, the wolf fixed the problem. And when I steer back, you know, it's kind of trying to steer the... The, the, the forest instead of the trees and kind of looked at the way it, it was like he was a fixer you know he was a fixer for the stuff you know the, the, the real bad shit almost it seemed like yeah he controlled bad situations no. you know does that make any sense I mean or is it just I mean no yeah yeah I mean he, he they, they trusted him I guess with you know dealing with the Maury Island incident and you know, I guess it went uh, very well, and Lord knows what else he was in, in, in on, and they trusted him to, uh, you know, to uh, oversee some things going on with the assassination and some of the players and, and what they were supposed to do. Now, you're leaving out, while we're talking about Christmas, and it's something that, that I know we brought up on my show, but, but it's a, something else very important that people need to know about him, and, and it's his connection to Clay Shaw. Okay, now, if Doug Hamill or Rob Clark were arrested for something pretty crazy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. My first call is going to be to my attorney. Right. Right? Yeah. Now, Clay Charles was not, was it? No, he called uh, Fred Christman. Say that one more time. <laughs> he supposedly called Fred Christman with his uh, first phone call after Garrison arrested him. Didn't that, didn't that blow your mind? Yeah. 
I mean, that screams I mean, to me, uh, hey, dude, I need, uh, I need help. <laughs> the shit has hit the fan. Yeah. You know, it's like when, um, uh, what, what was the guy's name, uh, uh, Sam Jackson's character in Pulp Fiction, you know, when he called, uh, um, what's his name, and, and said, I got a big problem, he could left stand in the wall, so that's all you had to say. You know, it's like, not a call friend. And, you know, I can't remember where I read it. I think, I think I got it from, and this came up on a show, a previous show of ours, and somebody was asking me, Somebody sent me an a message wanting to know where I got it. And I think I got it from a transcript of the Joan Mellon presentation from back uh, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But I read, I can either, I can't deny, I mean, I can't tell you, well, it's, you know, here's my citation. But do you remember me telling you that I read that um, when Oswald was arrested, we know about the Dean Andrews call from San Francisco for Shaw. Right that he made a flight to Washington State and then flew to New Orleans. Yep. Awful Washington State? Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. Well, that's, that's the, you know, I think that pretty much sums, sums all this up, Doug. I mean, it... You know, you gotta you gotta start somewhere, and you gotta start putting these puzzle pieces together, and it it feels pretty damn good when they fit. You know, uh, a lot of people try to tear tear the shit down, but you know, you gotta, I think it's real cool how um, um, you know crap. I've been you know crap. I've been thinking about you know because I've stopped calling myself a researcher. I'm a student. You know, I'm a student. Not a researcher, I'm a student. So, crap, I've been studying for a couple of years, and stuff you've been studying, you know, once, you know, when you found Gilbride's testimony from Beckham, you know, and we've been doing this sort of independently. I've been on the European Lord Hall Howard thing, and you've been on the New Orleans thing. Well, suddenly, you found this, and there's a link. Yeah. Yeah. There's a link, and it's a real link, I think. Yeah, most definitely, and that's why I wanted you to read it, because I, I thought it was important, uh, an important piece of the puzzle for you to, to find out. And and people, I would... I'm so glad I finally, I finally read that. I'm so glad you asked me to come on the show, and, and, and I think we were, you asked me to come on the show, and then we, we were like, well, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, hey, what about if I read that Beckham thing you told me to read? Oh, yeah, didn't you get mad at me? You... Asshole, you had right there, you had or something. Yeah, I mean, damn. I sent that to you a long time. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. That's all right. But hey, look, I'm going to put that up, a link to that, so uh, everybody can go check it out for themselves and read it. It's important, people, to understand um, and, and read Beckham's testimony under the, uh, under the understanding that this was um, immunized testimony. That means he could say whatever he wanted to and... Uh, with no repercussions. And when he was in front of uh, Jim Garrison's grand jury, that was not the case. And uh, Fred Christman was still alive at that point and also there in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, he couldn't exactly say things like this then because you had Ferry still alive. You had uh, Clay Shaw still alive. You had uh, Fred Christman still alive. But when, when he gave his testimony to the HSCA, everybody was dead. 
That's exactly right, man. And, and, and I think that um, uh, I think that that's very important uh, when when you know if people do like 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 you suggested, compare. You know, go to History Matters and fucking read his testimony from the, from the '60s. But also, you know, when you read this um, 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 the interview with Delsa, and, and you think, well, those are two different people. I think you're exactly right, Rob. I think he was coached. I think he was. I think that. I think that in the insane nut job Rube thing was um, was was a put on. <laughs> no doubt. You know what I mean? No doubt. And then he, no finally, he finally felt the relief that he could actually speak the truth and, and be done with it, you know, to the HSCA now that everybody's dead. And, and you know, it was 15 years and, and ago. You know, what I think, you know what I think is also very telling? I think um, that Beckham's still alive. Yeah. Okay, Beckham's still alive. And it, and it could... I think I've always I've always thought this. Um, when you look at people like Beckham, when you look at people like Jerry Schimming, you know, when you're like Warren Hall, who died of a heart attack while you know fighting charges of running a meth ring for the CIA in the '80s or in the '90s. Um, look at the ones who are a still alive or b died of nice old age and natural causes. You know, you've got Jimmy got to die of natural causes in a ripe old age. Beckham's still alive in a ripe old age. William Seymour is still alive in a ripe old age. Howard died of natural causes. I think we don't, I don't think we read enough into quite, quite frankly, he's still alive. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that the conventional thinking is, oh well, if they knew anything, they should be dead. Yeah, and l- oh, well. l- let me put this out there too, Doug. Uh, Thomas Beckham actually wrote a book, okay, exp- and he he actually wrote a book uh, about his experiences in the '60s pertaining to the uh, Kennedy assassination and his dealings with Chrisman. And I can't track yeah, but, but, the damn thing down anywhere. So if any listeners out there knows where I can get my hands on the book that Tom Wow. Hey, now, can I ask you how recent this thing was? It's got to be 70s or 80s. And he... Now, see, I do know, I, I have heard, or I remember hearing you correct me if I'm wrong, or, or if you've heard different things. He's now some sort of substance abuse counselor in the Midwest somewhere. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty, and, damn, pretty damn close to you, as a matter of fact. It might even be Nashville. Really? Really. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, I tell you what, um, after we get done, uh, you and I need to talk about this, okay? Um, this subject. But anyway, um, I know he speaks through his son. Yep. Um, and um, I, if it was written in the 70s or 80s, I wonder how trustworthy it would be. I bet you there'd be a lot of similar, if you were to, if he were to t- tell you the story today, you know, come clean kind of thing, I'd be, I bet it, it'd be similar to the book in a lot of ways and way different from the book in a lot of ways. 
yeah, he's that old cat sitting in the corner who's uh, who's laughing at everybody because he already told the truth and nobody wanted to hear it. And he feels probably feels like his story doesn't matter anymore. And probably for you know, mostly forgot about it. He's the man, the man that time forgot, you know. And but like I said, if it, it, he wrote the book with his last name spelled like this, this might make it a little easier to track down for people if they can. It's B E. I think it's B E. It's either C-K or K, apostrophe, uh, H-M or H-A-M. It was, it's he. Really? Yeah, he did it with a weird spelling. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. And I think his son is a dentist. Um, so that might make him a little easier to track down there if, if you can, or, you know, we can Google him. Or if anybody knows out there how to get in touch with uh, Beckham or his son, let us know. And uh, we'll send Doug on a mission. <laughs> Unfortunately, I gotta go to work. So <laughs> I hear you, man. I'm trying to eat something. I haven't eaten in like 22 hours or something like that. I don't know. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on the show, dude. Man, thanks for having me. Hey, no problem whatsoever. I know people have been dying to hear you, so here you are, and I hope that they enjoy it and know that you will be back sooner than later. And uh, hey, man, you know what? I hope that I'm back on your show sooner, sooner than later, also. Well, you know, you got an open invitation anytime you want, my brother. And I'm ready. All you got to do is call me. All right. Appreciate it, my friend. All right, people, this some bitches in the can, beamed up to the satellite, down directly to your ears. This is Rob Clark on the Lone Gummin Podcast, thanking my very, very special guest, host of the Dallas Action, Doug Campbell, for coming on the show. Until next time, people, peace. And also make sure you tune in next week where I have special guest Russ LaChapelle coming back on the show to talk about Gerald Hill and some of the players around the Texas School Book Depository, the Tippett Murder, and the Texas Theater. Tune in. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a good one, people. Peace.
do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt Bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.